Rony Zone Media and Once Upon a Time Fan Podcast proudly present Disney Once Again. Hello and welcome to Disney Once Again. In this podcast, we will revisit a Disney classic animated film. We're going to give our five favorite things about it and any connections that we see to ABC TV's Once Upon a Time. Your hosts are Jeff Roney and Colleen Roney. And now on with the show. Welcome, everyone, to our little hiatus podcast miniseries. Yeah. Something new, mm-hmm. and it was actually Colleen's idea. It was. And I'm very excited about it. And we just watched our first Disney animated classic film. Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. That's right. And it was incredible. It was. I I have not seen that film in 30 years. A long time, really. Front to back. It's been about 20 years for me. Yeah. I was actually fortunate enough to watch it in Disneyland. Wow. In Mr. Uh, Great Moments with Mr. Lincoln wow. in that theater. Hmm. And that was because my roommate at the time is a cast member. She still is, actually. And they used to have movie nights for the cast and friends and family. And you had to get tickets for it, but we would always um, do that. And we, we went and saw Snow White and Seven Dwarfs. It was amazing. Just to set you up, this is obviously our first episode of this miniseries mm-hmm. during the Once Upon a Time television show hiatus. We're going to be revisiting these classic films. There are podcasts out there and websites out there that have really gone to great lengths to get research of deep information and, and all that. That's really not our goal. Right. Our goal is to watch the films. And respond to the films. Exactly. And we haven't seen, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but we haven't seen these movies, some cases, for 20 years, maybe longer. And it's an opportunity to to look at it from a fresh perspective. Mm -hmm. First of all, as adults, and we may have seen some of these as adults. I was an adult when I last saw it, but it's been a while. Um, For some of the other ones, I may not have seen it until, you know, since I was a child. So it's a chance for us to kind of revisit these old classics that we grew up with. Right. But then also, because we are watching Once Upon a Time and we're in, you know, we just finished season three, it gives us a fresh perspective because they are using these films as a lot of the basis for the show. So it, it gives us an opportunity to kind of look at it from a different viewpoint. So that's what we're really, that was the whole point of this. I wanted to kind of relive my childhood a little bit mm-hmm. and then see how well things have tied into Once Upon a Time and what differences there are. And maybe things that, oh gosh, little tiny little things that we didn't even notice watching the TV show, we're now saying, oh, hey, they used that. That was from the film. I mean, there may be small little things. So that's kind of really where I wanted to go with it. So we will begin our thoughts, our discussions yeah. about certain things. And at the end, each episode, mm-hmm. I've asked a particular podcaster to give their thoughts. So we'll, we'll, we'll uh, save that surprise for the end. Yeah. And I'll let Colleen start. Um, okay. Well, there's a lot of things about this movie. Uh, first thing I noticed was the richness of the colors and the... Uh, artisticness of it. I know that's probably not even a really word, but when I compare that to other cartoons, like for example, you know, I loved growing up on Saturday mornings watching Tom and Jerry and mm-hmm. um, Woody Woodpecker and Bugs Bunny. And those are wonderfully drawn cartoons, but they're cartoons and there's detail in them, but there's also this just very linear, slightly more sharper edges right. with snow white. The first thing I noticed, it was, it felt like an, you know, a, a painting from the old masters, very watercolors with, you know, detail. And it just, it was incredibly well done. I mean, it was just, it was a beautiful film for 1937, especially considering that, you know, the, you know, technology that Walt put into this. It's just, it was, it was mind blowing to me. Well, the multiplane 
way that they photographed this, it made you feel like you were going into a painting and it gave it a 3D sort of feel. Exactly. So. And that was, I think that added right. to the fact that there was, there were these, you know, beautiful backgrounds. Mm-hmm. It, just the backgrounds alone were yeah. amazing. Yeah. Um, watching this, I was thinking back to when I was a child, I, I don't recall the first time I ever saw this movie. I know I was very young. I would re- wager a guess five, six, maybe seven, um, maybe even younger. And I can tell you that I would have been scared in certain parts of that. It would have, it would have, it would have definitely, you know, scared me a bit. I can also tell you that I probably would have looked at this and thought, I wish the animals would talk to me or, you know, interact with me like they do with Snow White. And I probably had some sort of, you know, wish to go find little bunnies and, and deer and things and chipmunks and birds. And I may have even tried to talk to them when I was a kid. I, I'm just, you know, that would have been something that would have been impressionable for me. Um, watching it now, one of the things that kind of caught my attention, which uh, I don't want to go too much into detail, but it kind of ties in a little bit with Once Upon a Time, I'll talk about the differences. Um, but the one thing that just kind of struck me as an adult, a little bit more jaded, I guess, they fell in love at first sight. And it wasn't even that. It was he heard her voice, and mm-hmm. that's what the prince heard her voice, and that's what drew him to her. So it was kind of one of those things, and all of a sudden, you know, they're in love. It just it was kind of well, funny how that just happened that way. And I'm I'm trying not to joke. There were a couple of points where I was like, "Man, this is funny." But well, but of I, I, I I do want to say this though. It, it is a time capsule almost for reactions and hand flourishes and reactions to things. For instance, at that time, possibly it would have been in a fairy tale setting perfectly normal for someone to kind of walk up upon some woman singing into a well yeah and start singing with her right and and it seems strange now like what the heck does but at that point <laughs> plus we're talking about a romantic Absolutely. fairy tale and Absolutely. so you get lost in this whole idea of it's somewhat perfect and it's the perfect guy kind of right walk, so Anyhow, but yeah. I, I think, too, with considering the time period we're dealing with, 1937, you're in the middle of the, the Depression. So considering that, this whole hopeful, romantic, mm-hmm. and, and fantasizing about meeting a prince, being a princess and meeting a prince, right. that was not the norm in the general population at that time. So it was very interesting to see that. <clears throat> Just a bit of an editor's note. We're not going to really stick to the five things. I know I put that I know, in the but intro. Anyway. But anyhow, we're just going to share our thoughts. So. Absolutely. Anyhow. Absolutely. Um, the other thing I noticed, which is really funny as an adult, um, and I probably thought about this as a kid, <clears throat> excuse me, the shoes. I was mm. fascinated by the shoes. Mm-hmm. And um, they wore very similar shoes to what they would have worn in the 30s. You know, and I, But I loved the shoes. That was what I... I notice more than anything else at one point i thought i saw snow white wearing dutch shoes she was wearing clogs yeah yeah like isn't that funny you know so anyhow i i I looked and i went is that dutch shoes so anyhow they they looked like little clogs so yeah i mean if you but the shoes did kind of stand out you know very nice well especially when she was in her when her in her you know her yellow Mm -hmm. blue and red dress Um, that those shoes were little pumps with little bows on the front, right. which mm-hmm. as a little girl, I would have absolutely died to have a pair of those shoes. I would have loved to have had that. Another thing I noticed, which I think is really fascinating is that in the movie, her dress is actually th- two shades of blue. Mm-hmm. The bodice itself is dark, dark blue, but her sleeves are a lighter blue, but almost every photo you see of her now it's all the same blue. It's all the same shade of blue, which I right. think is really interesting. And the, the the colors were very muted, which, again, was indicative of the time period. So those are things I just noticed um, about the movie itself. Um, she was beautifully drawn. She was very lovely. I mean, 16-year-old girl. She was very, very lovely. And um, it was just they all had very striking features. Um, so I, I like that that was pretty prominent in the movie. Well, I think in, you mentioned the time period, and I think at that time when the film was out, and probably more more than more likely when it was re released, and 
I got to see it as a child. Mm -hmm. At that point, Walt Disney was look up family friendly and Walt Disney's face was there. Oh, absolutely. So the audience of people in the U.S. at that point was like, this is a safe film to take my child to. And so Mm -hmm. we're going to say great songs, great, great fun, great whatever. But the thing I noticed, there were some scary, scary parts. There were. There and were. Just when she's running through the the forest alone with the with the trees grabbing her and the eyes jumping oh, out almost yeah. at it. Like I said, it was an, a three D ish kind of mm-hmm. a thing. There was these quick zooms into the. It was pretty scary in in the way when she turned into the old peddler woman, the old hag. Oh yeah, that was pretty scary. Yeah, and. I was just thinking, this was family friendly. I, I was kind of struck with, you know, at one point the evil queen says she was going to lash Snow White. Mm. And also just a discussion about the hearts. We didn't see the heart, but no. there was a discussion of bring her heart to me. And then there was this pig heart. And I was like, wow, this is pretty. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I think sometimes we we sanitize certain things and we remove certain things and only remember the washing song or the silly song or the whatever but there were some pretty dark things and i'm glad it was there because it created a full story but i was surprised Uh, well and that's that's exactly another point i want to bring up is walt disney is known for very much telling like you said the full story which includes the good the bad and the ugly Mm -hmm. He, you have to, because otherwise it, it just is, it's an overly sanitized, happy, sappy movie, and it will leave you empty. You need to feel. I think we as human beings need that conflict, that struggle, because that makes us feel alive. And so, you know, watching Snow White go through the forest, you know, you brought up the camera angles and the zooms that made it feel like we were experiencing it with sure, her. Sure. And I can tell you right now as a five or six year old, I would have been absolutely like horrified at some of that. I would have been freaked out and I would have been scared to go in the woods. I would have right. been scared to run through the forest and I would have been really nervous about that. And that would have made a lasting impression on me. You know, I, I would imagine that Hitchcock watched this. Oh, and at least yeah. took some notes and said, hmm, that's interesting. Because it, it does remind me of the effect his, his uh, shower scene in Psycho had or Spielberg's Jaws. shark and Jaws right. in the water. Right. So it's just it's interesting that you should say that. Yeah. So, wow. You know, I mean, it, it, I can tell you that going in the woods, I'm fine during the day. But at nighttime, it's a little it's a little creepy. Yeah. It's a little creepy. The other thing I wanted to say about the story is that it was a. It was a full story. We'll talk about probably the animals and and the dwarves in a minute. But it was just the queen tried to kill Snow White once Mm -hmm. and failed. And in a normal kind of linear story, it's just one. But then she had a second attempt. Yeah. And then she tried something else. Which, again, pretty, pretty great for a story because it gives you fuller understanding of how evil this evil queen is. She will mm-hmm. do anything yeah. to get done what she wants to get done. And so I was kind of interested by that. Well, and, and I think to, to kind of go back to what we were talking about, the fact that there are such dark pieces in it, mm-hmm. you have in sharp contrast to that, things like this, the washing song and the, the sing-along and dancing around the, you know, I guess, main room of the house. That kind of offsets the whole scary parts it it right. it kind of gives you that false sense of hope a little bit but it, there is a there's definitely an element of hope behind it that you know as horrible as things are you know you've always got this and as long as you have each other that kind of you know yeah. that was and again that may have been a you know speaking to the times the depression you know as bad as tough times are you know just you know sing a happy song and whistle while you work um, you know, do what you, whatever you need to do. If that means just cleaning up your house, that I mean, it was right. just. I don't know if that was the intention, but that's just kind of the feel that I kind of get out of it. I think so. I I think that again, it was a time capsule of the time in that I I, I looked at three different events that today seems kind of boring or weird. Mm. Cleaning the house, yeah. Together, obviously, we don't have birds flying around, <laughs> but I mean, just the idea that it can be fun, yeah. 
And and I I don't want to go off on a tangent, but I just want to say like the Mary Poppins idea of of you know when there's something to be done, put an element of fun, that kind of a right. thing. But coming back to Snow White is the the cleaning of the house or the washing up, the the taking a bath, the cooking, the mm-hmm. making of the pie. Yeah, all these types of things. Or or the singing and dancing, playing mm-hmm. an instrument. Yeah. Those are really kind of old. I think it does call back to those times when times were tough, when no one had any money. Right. They probably didn't have a radio. They may have had a guitar, maybe with five strings, mm-hmm. or maybe an old piano or a accordion or something in yeah. their house. And they would sing, sometimes with no instrument. They would sing and dance and have a fun time Friday night or whatever. Mm-hmm. Tell stories. It was an amazing kind of look back and if you look at that at that film just like you were saying you do kind of get a glimpse at you know Walt Disney saying it's going to be all right yeah you don't have to have all these different things right you can be happy just with a song it sounds trite but i mean i think that's right. what he was trying to really get at yeah, yeah so i agree no i totally agree so that, those are the things I really kind of picked out of it uh, as far as the movie itself. Uh, like I said, I think the biggest impression for me was the just the visual of the movie. And as we're going to go through, you know, I don't want to skip too far ahead, but as we we're going to go through some of the other movies, you're going to see the uh, animation style change and improve. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that was amazing. And I think as you go through some of the you know later films, it just gets better and better. So um, you know the effects were really really fantastic. Uh, I do want to bring up these points uh, when the queen, as the old hag, is running up the side of the mountain to escape from the dwarfs um, who are chasing her, which I think is awesome. Which is hilarious. I'm going to take a little side here. Think about this. Granted, there's seven of them, but there's seven little dwarfs. They're little men, and she's taller and bigger and has black magic and she's terrified of them. She's running from them. I think that's kind of funny. So, um, but when she's running up the side of the mountain there and she gets to the top and the vultures are up there, when she falls off, you know, she falls to her death, right? We don't see it. Yep. Yep. We don't see the aftermath. You see the dwarfs peeking over the top, but all you see, which I thought was a brilliant, I mean, it perfectly conveyed the, the message without showing us the circling of the vultures mm-hmm. overhead very slowly where it faded into black. That was, uh, that was right. huge. Let, let's take a, a quick step back, though. We see the lightning crash. Right. The edge of the cliff falls. Mm-hmm. Then the stone that she was going to use to kill the dwarves right. falls on, on top of her yeah. as it's going down. Yeah. Then, as you're saying, the vultures watch that. Yeah. And then kind of, I, I think Riley smiled. I mean, I haven't, I didn't watch oh, it really close. Oh, very much so. Yeah, no, they did. But it was almost like, you know, you live by the sword, you, you die, die by, by the, the sword. sword. Exactly. You, you want to use all this evil against yeah. someone one day. You're going to choose a short straw and it's going to come down okay. on you. Well, and, I mean, it, yeah, exactly. So. No, I think that was a very excellent point. Um, uh, there was something else I was going to talk about, too, that was... Um, uh, I'll Sorry. think of it. That's okay. That's okay. Um, there were a number of things where you didn't see certain things, and all you just saw was the you know the fade to black or whatever. Right. There was there was a lot of really interesting points to that. Oh, I know what it was. The the animals. Yeah. The animals right. didn't speak, didn't mm-hmm. have to, and yep. you knew exactly what was going on because they conveyed the message. Actually, here's an interesting here's an interesting point. I'll bet you if you watch the movie. With no sound whatsoever, mm-hmm. you still understand every bit of what's going on in this story. Yep. There are movies that you can watch. If you turn the sound off, you have no idea what's going on. Mm-hmm. That's right. I think that's genius to be able to watch a movie that has no sound whatsoever, no dialogue, no music, no nothing, and you still know what's what's going on. Yep. You the 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 way they conveyed emotions using you know, animals and just the songs and the music and little things. It was so well done. Well, and let's focus on one scene where I think emotion was really key. You're going to go exactly where, this is what I was going to say. So go right ahead. The Huntsman scene. Oh, that was not the scene. Oh my. That was amazing too. But remind me the other scene. You know, you felt his, he, he, 
he knew he had to do it. Oh, yeah. But then he couldn't do it. Yeah. And you felt it in his voice and in his actions. And he just, he was so sorry. And he just said, you need, you need to get out of here. He, he basically, and, yeah, begged her to, to go so he wouldn't, you know, right. he couldn't do it. But, I mean, that was a scene and I went, this is really, uh, you know, deep emotion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, yeah, that was that was the one for me. Which, again, he was a huntsman. He would have known the princess. Everybody knew who the princess was. Right. She was the little princess. She was, what amazes me is, how did nobody know that she was kind of basically a prisoner in her own home? Mm-hmm. She was forced to be a little scullery maid. And, she, but she, that's the other thing. She was happy doing it. Yeah. She was she was content with what she had. She was content with where she was. And she'd had no ill will. She was terrified of her stepmother, but she didn't want to kill her. Right. The the two things I, I wanted to point out in, in the second one and really ties in with what you were saying is one is that you have the most evil queen and the most kind princess mm-hmm. living in the same castle. Yeah. And it really is this, you know the the dichotomy of evil and good in the same place. Right. How in the world could that be? Right. But here's an interesting point. She wanted her dead. She had her living under her roof. Right. She could have done it at any point in time. Mm-hmm. Why did she feel that she needed to have the huntsman do it for her? Yeah. That says a lot about her character, by right. the way. Right. The other emotional scene for me that just absolutely was it was a little gut wrenching. Um was her casket, her, yeah. her glass coffin right. mm-hmm. with the dwarves sitting around crying, just sobbing. And the animals, even the animals mm-hmm. had, you know, just sadness. The whole thing was just, it was, ugh, it was horrible. It was horrible. So, but they, but again, that's the beauty of this movie conveying in animation, mm-hmm. deep, deep, Serious, hardcore emotion. And again, you don't need sound even to even recognize what's happening. And to really tie into a point that you made is that as as evil as the evil queen was, the Snow White was so kind. Mm-hmm. It just beamed out of her. And and when you watch these, some of these older films, maybe some of the newer films, but for sure the older films, you kind of have this jaded look on and It's just like, oh, what a... Ugh, it's too sappy, Ugh, mushy, you know, like like uh, grumpy, mm-hmm. Ugh, mush, you know, yeah. this and that. But she was kind, and and the animals loved her, and even Grumpy came around. Yeah. Spoiler alert! But but it was just so <laughs> we don't see that much anymore. Right, right. We don't see. We that. see antiheroes, and we see cynical people, and and all that. And that's one of the great things about watching some of these old films, especially Snow White, because it's so fantastic, is that we remember the kindness. Mm-hmm. You know, we forget it sometimes. We get so involved in, in everyday stuff and the stresses right. and all this kind of stuff. And, and it's just, you know, kindness wins. And It does. It's know, the truth. So, yeah. You know, so, but that was, those those are my I think those were the biggest points that I had um <clears throat> as far as the movie itself. Um I don't know if you have anything else or if you want to dig into the whole once upon a time connections. Yeah, I I did want to say just a couple of things is sure. the the animal jokes and the dwarf jokes. <laughs> obviously, you know, we know the the crafting that went into that, but mm-hmm. I think it was so good. It was like a well-painted painting. Mm-hmm. When you look at any point you look at, there's something great there. Detail. And it was the same thing with these little animals. Like, mm-hmm. just one thing, the little turtle. Mm-hmm. It took him 10 minutes to get up these <laughs> stairs. And by the time he got up there, everyone's running out. And he goes, man, I can't even... Are you kidding me? <laughs> you know, and there's a couple of jokes like that, but yeah. like you said, the the emotion, but it was just so fun, the little the little animal jokes and the little jokes with the with the dwarves. It was just so so neat. Nothing was not 
thought through, mm-hmm. thought out. Obviously, there was so much time that was involved. I mean, you had to make sure that everything was great. The songs were fun. The songs were in- incredible. Just, just the song of um, the Wishing Well song. Oh yeah. Not only was it shot wonderfully and, and, and animated wonderfully, I mean, but it was just so so beautiful. The the layers and the echoes and all this mm-hmm. kind of thing. Uh, anyway, but. Um, so. I was gonna say with the um, with the dwarfs, the one thing, the other thing that I, you know, I had never picked up when I was a child, but as an adult, I, this actually came across. Um, Doc had the funniest little mix up with his words. He could never seem to get the right information out. It was very funny. But what I, what's even funnier as an adult is there are a couple of lines he had that are borderline inappropriate nowadays. Sure, sure. but. There, you know, back then it would have been just, oh, he was just, you know, because that's not, they didn't talk like that back then. Yeah. But what we, you know, we pick it up and we go, oh, pff, can't believe he just said that. And he, he, you know, I'll give you an example of one. And it's not even like it's a big deal, but it is one of those things you just kind of laugh at is he, he, he was trying to tell them to search in every nook and cranny, but he couldn't say nook and cranny. And at one point he said, crooked fan. Oh, just search yeah, everywhere. Right, right. So he almost said crooked fanny, mm-hmm. which I think is hilarious. And it's like, he, he kind of like titter because it's, it's very, you know, funny. Um, he just, he, if you listen to some of the other stuff that he says, it's just very, very funny that it's mixed up and he gets all flustered and he's supposed to be the leader of the group, which I think is hilarious. So, yep. So oh, that was the other thing I wanted okay. to point out. Sorry, sorry. I'm just thinking of all these okay. other things. Right. Bashful was in love with her, right? Doc, they were all enamored of her, but Bashful had a little crush on her. What I found interesting, though, is Dopey. Dopey had an even bigger crush on her than Bashful did, mm-hmm. and Dopey was a little bit of a playa. Yeah, right. He went in and tried to get steal three kisses from her. Three. Yep. And he didn't want the kisses on the forehead. He wanted them on the lips. He so, puckered up for her. So Dopey wasn't Dopey at all. Dopey was not Dopey. And it was yeah. funny, too, because growing up as a child, we always were given the impression that Dopey had mental challenges. That's completely not true at all. Dopey didn't talk simply because he never tried. Right. And sometimes... I mean, which is funny. Yeah. And he was not simple-minded at all. I mean, he had his little moments where he was naive. He was and whimsical. He, he was very silly. Right. Yeah. They even referred to him as silly dopey. Right. So, I mean, he was very silly and, like you said, very whimsical. But I think he was very smart underneath all that because, you know, he he was just happy. He was just a happy-go-lucky kind of blah, blah, blah. He was bopping along. He he was the one who, anytime they were going somewhere, the rest of them were kind of marching straight forward. He was doing his little hopping, dancing little thing. He was yeah. just a very happy-go-lucky kind of guy. Yeah. But he was very smart in that, you know, he wanted to try and get steel kisses from her. He... um he he was a little scared, but I mean, he was at least he didn't question it after they kind of got him up there and said, "We're behind you." He's like, "Oh, okay, I'll go up there." I mean, he he, he was he was just the, totally not what I remember thinking about Dopey growing up because I think that was the image that was conveyed is that he wasn't right a hundred percent there. Yeah, yeah, which is totally not the case. <laughs> uh, the last thing I, I did want to say is that Walt Disney committed to telling a story, and I'll tell you why. It's because he started with the Evil Queen section of the story mm-hmm. instead of Snow White. Yeah. Because that would be easy. It's about Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, so why not start with Snow White? No. Nope. We're going to tell a story. Yeah. So let's start with the Evil Queen. Yeah. And yeah. That's, a, that's a commitment. Yeah. Because people say, well, wait, where's Snow White at? No, no, no. We got to start here. Just This wait. is where the story Just starts. Just wait. So I, I think, I think yeah. we've... So let's shift gears now mm-hmm. and let's put our goggles on that we use to look for a little once upon a time things. Yes. In Snow White. Yes. So very first thing I noticed when the queen walks up to the mirror, she says slave in the mirror, mm-hmm. which I thought was fascinating because the genie was a slave. Yep. And she put him in the mirror. Yep. So that was a very nice tie in. Um, she uh that was that was just the first thing i noticed mm-hmm. um the mirror itself or her throne actually which we didn't see till later but her throne had um a peacock in the it was the the 
sorry, the background was a peacock, mm-hmm. um, the back piece of her throne, and there was a peacock uh, necklace that the genie wore. Yep. Um, Very multicolored yes, for sure, yeah. Yes. It started with a book. Yeah. A magical book yeah. that opened up magically. And, told a story. Mm-hmm. and the first words were Once Upon a Once Time. Once Upon a Time. Yeah. So. And see, and I missed that piece right mm-hmm. there. I did remember the book part, but. Um, and which, by the way, Walt started most of his classic movies that way, mm-hmm. which I love about them. The the other thing I, I did want to say is that Once Upon a Time never really kind of pushed this, but it did refer to the animals in the forest are a buzz, right? Mm, yeah. So there is this kind of, there is communication, but we've never really seen, the only the only kind of exchange we've ever seen is, Touching a wolf right. around Graham and that whole thing. But there's never been the communication except if a bird was carrying a message. But not right. like we're used to seeing in this right. uh, Snow right. White and the Seven Dwarfs. Right. So. Which, and speaking of animals and birds, uh, bluebirds. The bluebirds, the the little baby bluebird is the first you know mm-hmm. animal she really interacted with. After she was terrified and scared the living daylights out of the animals, they came out and then the little bird, you know, was very sad. And it was really funny how, you know, the little bird was sad and she was like, don't cry, buck up. And that was when the huntsman was about to kill her. But the little bluebird and his parents stayed with her and stayed in the house Mm -hmm. even after the dwarves were in there. I mean, all the other animals left, but the bluebirds were the ones that stayed with her. So that's why I think it was very fascinating that they pulled bluebirds pretty prominently into the, you know, the pilot of Once Upon a Time. Speaking of the pilot, there were a lot of things in Snow White itself that were very similar to the the show. You bet. The, the major tie-ins. Mm-hmm. I mean, huge tie-ins. Um, <clears throat> there were, there were things though that I thought were fascinating about this that were very different. Um, you know, the, the queen's dress, very different. I mean, there's this, you know, grandioseness to it, of course, which was very similar to the beautiful costuming that Eduardo Castro does for Once Upon a Time. But it was very different. And the crown even was very, um, she didn't wear a gold crown. Right. right. Not that we saw at first, anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, he kind of gave her a real um, biker chick look almost at the beginning. Yeah. That's what I kind of think of as, you know, just a very tough, you don't want to mess with her. And, and. Not that you wanted to mess with the queen in the right. cartoon either, the animated feature. But um, the other thing that I thought was interesting is, and I'm kind of skipping ahead a little bit, is, you know, it was once upon a time, true love's kiss mm-hmm. that woke her up. And we've always heard true love's kiss will wake her up. Snow White didn't have true love's kiss. If you look in the book and you listen to what the evil queen says, the antidote which I thought was fascinating that she had a book that had the spells and the antidotes in there, as if you want to give the antidotes. Once Upon a Time never really has that, though. Unfortunately, <laughs> it's just like a mystery unless Rumpel, <laughs> unless tells, Rumpel you, tells you, and he you. usually exactly. doesn't tell you. Exactly. So, yeah. so, But in this case, the antidote was a couple pages over from the spell, mm-hmm. which I thought was funny. Um, the antidote was love's first kiss. Yep. Yep. But here's the reality of it. In a, in a way, so to speak, they already had a first kiss. I know. Go with me on this. They had a kiss. When she kissed the bird, it flew down and then kissed his lips. So she kissed the mm. bird. The bird gave mm. her. So they technically had a transfer of a kiss via a bird, but they had their first kiss already. So I think that was kind of funny, but mm. because they didn't actually touch lips, that's why it wasn't considered love's first kiss. Um, so that was one thing. The Huntsman interaction was almost almost exact, except there was a note reading and that kind of thing in Once Upon right. a Time. But it was, yeah. It was very similar. Yeah. Very similar. Um, although the reasoning, that was another thing. The reasoning for taking her out in the woods was a little bit different. Right. Yep. Um, it, he, he was taking her to the Summer Palace, not to just go pick flowers. Um which Snow should have been actually in the animated feature should have been a little more uh, hip on what was going on when she got dressed up in her princess garb mm-hmm. because she'd been wearing rags a whole up to that point. So why would she go wearing her princess garb picking flowers? I never understood that whole thing either. Yeah. Our princess went from wearing her princess garb 
to going to rags in the woods after Graham took her out in the woods. I mean, she was in her prince's dress. Yes. But she ended up in the rags afterwards, whereas our snow in in once in the movie yep. and it stayed in her princess dress got it yep or or changed uh she, she had a a foresty outfit she didn't have a foresty outfit jennifer goodwin had a oh, foresty uh, outfit yes yeah i'm talking about the animated feature right. mm-hmm. went from rags mm-hmm. in the castle yes. to princess dress in the forest yep. whereas our Gen- mm-hmm. jennifer goodwin princess went from princess gown in the castle yeah, to yep rags in the forest mm-hmm. um the other thing was that it was a huge glaring difference for me was the reason why the queen wanted snow dead which it, it, i mean it kind of makes sense in the movie because i think i don't know if that was you know indicative at the time or not but she was vain she was incredibly vain and just couldn't stand the thought of anyone being more beautiful than she was right so I thought that was very interesting. And especially when she turned herself into an old hag, she purposely got rid of her beauty. The thing that she prized more than anything else, the reason that drove her to want to kill Snow White in the first place. To destroy the first one, the the first one on the list. Yeah. And the the old hag transformation was in Once Upon a Time as well. It was. And we did see that. Yes, we did. And that was a pretty cool thing. But the, the driving factor behind... Why, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the the queen, the differences, that was a huge difference that I saw. Um, the other thing that I was thinking of was, um, and I lost it again. I keep losing it. Sorry. Do you have anything that you, the, oh, I know what it was. Sorry. They, I mean, little details, little teeny tiny details here. So, and it goes back to the, to the costuming. Dressed in rags in the palace, Snow White. Is wearing a little blue ribbon in her hair mm-hmm. and tattered clothing and the clogs. Snow White in the forest is wearing her bright yellow skirt, her dark blue bodice, and the puffy multicolored sleeves. And a red bow in her hair. Mm-hmm. Snow White in... I can't remember the episode. Right, got it. I know what you're talking red about. Red-handed, I think it was. No, not red-handed. It was the one... It was the one where she broke Happy's uh, stein. That one. Exactly. Yep. Yep. Which, by the way, we saw their steins mm-hmm. in, the, in, the, in the animated feature, which I yep. really loved. Um, that one, she's wearing a yellow-skirted um, dress. White blouse, but, um, you know, and I believe... I want to say she was wearing blue sash somewhere in there. And uh, I don't recall her wearing... Maybe she was wearing the red ribbon in her hair. Pretty sure she was. But anyway, point is, is that there were similarities in the costuming, the way they, you know, had that. It's Heart of Darkness. That's it. I couldn't, That's I'm like, one. it's something to do with heart. But anyway. Yeah. yeah. Yes. And obviously th- there are a lot of things and we just kind of want to touch on some that really kind of stood yeah. out to us. Yeah. And w- were there, were there others? I'm sure there are others. Just keep the, talking. You go with okay. what you need to do. Right. And I'm sure I'll come up with more as I go through. But uh, but yeah, it is for sure. You can tell that Adam and Eddie watched Snow White and the mm-hmm. Seven Dwarfs for a lot of different things, and sure. some they use, and some they use later, and right. some they referred to, and, and that kind of a thing. But I really did. Are we ready to wrap it up? Or um, no, I was thinking in terms of like the Huntsman. There were differences in the Huntsman too, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, the scene was very similar, but I think that the motivating factor behind both of them was a little bit different, or may, actually it was very similar mm-hmm. because the Huntsman was very—he uh, was going to do his job. Uh, both both Huntsmans, yes, Huntsmans, <laughs> both Huntsmen were going to do their job, and then when they recognized the soft and sweet and tender and kind heartedness of the princess, they both kind of changed and just broke down and couldn't do it. The nice thing about Graham in Once Upon a Time is mm-hmm. we we understood how he cared about the animals. Right. And that made sense when he read the note basically forgiving uh, yeah. the evil queen from Snow White. Yeah. And he... That's when he said, "No, I can't. I can't do this." And so we we knew more. The only thing we knew about the Huntsman in the animated feature is that basically he was, you know, 
working a, for the evil queen, right. and we don't know how, and we don't know well, why. I but, would imagine he was the one who provided the meals for the yeah. the table, the royal table. Yeah. Because who else was going to get the you know hunt the deer and hunt the you know the game? It would be the huntsman. Because she he was his, he was her faithful huntsman, right? And he she trusted him to to fulfill that. The other thing I did want to say is we did see in Once Upon a Time, Team Seven, the Seven Dwarves mm-hmm. digging in a mine. Yeah, yeah. Finding jewels. Yes. Knowing where they were. Uh huh. And and it was something so, they liked to do. I mean right. that was that was very funny because in uh, Grumpy. I believe it was, or Dreamy, the episode Dreamy, we learned that that's what they do because they like to do it. That's what they're born to do. Yeah. So it's kind of funny. Yep. And it was it was interesting that in the animated feature, one, one of them left a pickaxe at home so that Snow <laughs> White, when she was cleaning up everything, kind of was doing this investigative work. Okay, yeah. look at this messy here. It's a pickaxe here. Hmm. And the little children, look at these beds, you know, and, right. and all these different things. So, Yeah, I thought that was really interesting, too, is the character of Snow. I mean, the dwarves took her in uh, in Once Upon a Time and made her kind of almost like a sister. Yes. In Snow White, the animated feature, she's almost more like a mother to them. Yeah. So it was just very interesting. And, and you know, you're going to do this and you're going to do that. And it was very, I, I just, I love the fact that they pulled a lot of the little elements of, you know, snow. In fact, in Heart of Darkness, she's sweeping up and cleaning up the hovel. Right. Which is exactly what Snow White did when she got there. Singing the... Uh-huh. Humming um, with a smile and a song. Right. Yeah. 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 And it's interesting that, they went with a different song instead of Whistle While You Work, exactly. Adam and Eddie. So, exactly. Yeah. No, it was really, um, I love that they pulled a lot of the great elements. And like you said, there are things that were pulled in that um, they didn't use right away in the pilot or even in the first couple of episodes. They saved some stuff for future episodes and they managed to pull it in. I mean, the, the beer signs is kind of a minor little detail, but the minute I saw one, um, and it was the chipmunk or whatever that sneezed and blew right. himself back into the Stein. I went, oh, happy Stein, mm-hmm. immediately, because that was, you know, something. And again, watching Once Upon a Time, I hadn't picked up that there was, you know, beer steins in the in the movie. But there were. So it was, they pulled a lot of really cool elements, little tiny things, again, little details that, yeah, too many details to notice, actually. But I, I know that there were so many that they did pull in that that uh, we saw in Once Upon a Time. Once Upon a Time had Grumpy, or mm-hmm. Dreamy, right. as they call it, as the leader of the yeah. Team Seven or uh, Seven Dwarfs. And like like you said, when Snow White drank the forgetting potion and her heart was crushed after... Um, uh, when she tried to go in mm-hmm. to the uh, queen's castle, yeah, they took her in, yeah, as you know, in their hovel, and yeah. and actually a part of them because they lost uh, stealthy. Mm-hmm. For those of you who haven't watched Once Upon a Time, you're going to say, "What are you talking about?" Right? <laughs> and you should you should watch you should Once watch Upon it, a Time. Yeah. But anyhow, but in the animated feature, Doc was really in charge, and Grumpy was. Kind of in the he, background, he just was grumpy. Grumpy, grumpy and, was, but he wasn't. Yeah. It was kind of funny how, and I was, I was actually thinking about that. You know, Doc was very prominent in the movie as far as being the one who spoke up. Yes, but Grumpy was kind of the one that made decisions and and was the voice of reason, even if it was a slightly negative viewpoint. Right. <clears throat> in some cases, he was still the one that said, "Hey, whoa, 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 whoa." You gotta watch out. These women are wily, and they're, they're poison, gonna, you know, they're, yeah. <laughs> you know. So the he, he was very funny. He was very funny, and he was he was uh, again the voice of reason. And I think our grumpy in Once Upon a Time was very much the voice of reason. And as grumpy as he was, he still believed in love. And grumpy in the movie also eventually believed in love. He yeah. got to that point where, as grumpy as he was, he still was grumpy, but he softened up towards her. Yes. So I think we'll we'll kind of wind up here then we'll play the yeah. uh, the uh, uh, little audio clip but I just want to say we're kind of ironing out how 
these episodes will go. And yeah. I think I, I like this more kind of free form mm-hmm. way. And we might just go with it. So I might have to edit the intro. So anyhow, but <laughs> go please check out if you have already. I mean, you know exactly what we're talking about. But if you're listening and maybe you're just a once upon a time fan podcast listener, thank you for that. And you're listening and you go, man, I haven't seen Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs in years. Check it out. Yeah. You go find somebody you know or some library that you're nearby has it because it's not really for sale unless you it's, go on Amazon yeah, or something. Yeah, it's tough to find unless you go but, out to like an Amazon. But anyhow, check it out. Listen yeah. to it. Or go watch it and then you'll you'll see uh, all the different things that we're talking about. So the one other thing I did want to say is your thoughts can be included. We have a Facebook page for mm-hmm. this podcast miniseries, and it's facebook.com slash Disney once again, <clears throat> all one word there. And you can go there and leave your thoughts about this uh, great animated mm-hmm. feature. Like our page and... Yeah, please. Yeah, please. so, all right, in a couple of weeks, we will be recording again, so... We, we got oh. one more thing to oh, do. sorry. One more thing to do. Our good friend, Nancy Johnson, has sent in her thought. And Nancy... Okay, go ahead. Take it yep. away. Hi, Jeff and Colleen. It's Nancy Johnson from the Dis Unplugged Disneyland edition. And since our show pretty much is Disney, Disney, Disney all the way, um, you guys asked me to share my favorite moment from Walt Disney's Folly, otherwise known as his first masterpiece, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Now I'm going to pull my usual habit from the show and give you actually a couple scenes, so bear with me. Though completely different, they both relate directly to my rationale on why these scenes rank so high with me. As you know, Walt's biggest challenge in creating Snow White was to convince the audience that they needed to care about the characters, you know, truly feeling their emotions and then taking that journey with them all the way to the end of the story. Because of that, my truly favorite scene is the cottage sequence. The one where, one by one, the dwarves start truly growing to adore Snow White for the good soul she is and everything she does. And it all culminates in Grumpy's surrender to affection. I love that part. Her willing to care for them without any impetus basically earns their loyalty as well as that of the audience's. To the audience, Snow White just isn't a carefree young girl anymore. She's actually revealed to be that regal princess, you know, the one that's just and willing to care for her subjects and willing to work hard and place others' needs before her own, you know. We grow to care for her because, you know, we're shown that she just doesn't fret or freak out about her personal crisis. You know, here's people trying to kill her, yet she turns around and she puts that hardship on hold to better the lives of these random strangers whose house she stumbles upon. And she doesn't really ask anything in return for that, um, except a little bit of safety for a child. And, you know, for an audience of that era... It was huge to feel these kinds of emotions for a cartoon character. Movies, yes, but cartoon characters, no, not really. So I think the emotions of that scene drives my other choices, which are actually the two chase sequences um, before and after. Probably from childhood memory, the scene that sticks with, with me most is how they edited that storyboard, if you want to call it editing, um, with all the different shots and angles, and it lets us completely feel her becoming overwhelmed with fear as she flees through these trees, which she's visualizing as becoming alive and attacking her. And then we feel the turnaround afterwards, and we feel that panic and worry as the dwarves discover Snow White is gone and what's happened to her, and as they rally together to her rescue, because all of a sudden now they have this sort of fatherly devotion to their their princess, their, their little girl who has become such a touched part of their life. And as we, the audience, see that their love for her strengthens their resolve... You know, to to defeat the evil queen, 
we, the audience, then, I guess, are driven to feel such emotion that we're right there with them every step of the way as they find that might within themselves. You know, it becomes less about themselves and more about her, where if, if you flip it, their lives were kind of all about themselves. They, you know, were wrapped up in their own existence before Snow White came and opened them up to the world. So... I guess you can boil this down and say I'm honestly just a sucker for getting emotionally swept up in a story. And that's the reason I love how we're, we are completely manipulated by Walt Disney um, to be taken through this by the visual scene storyboarding of the tale. It, it, just beyond comprehension, it's pure genius. Thanks for letting me uh, call in and be a part of the show. And... We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Nancy, Thank so you. much. That was amazing. Yeah. That was a great synopsis, too. Brought up a lot of really good points. And actually, she reminded me of one more connection with Once Upon a Time that I thought was very interesting that um, Snow White in the movie, we don't see her bite the apple. We don't see her fall down into sleeping mm. death. Mm -hmm. But we do see her hand fall and the apple fall right out of it. Same thing in Once Upon a Time. Yep. Almost shot for shot. Yep. We saw Snow on Once Upon a Time bite the apple and fall. But the same scene, the same shot of her hand and the apple rolling down the hill, that was what we saw. So I, that was, you know, it was just, again, that emotion, like she just said, that just connects you and makes you, you know, tugs at your heartstrings and makes you feel things. It was, it was a, again, a brilliant movie. Brilliant, yep. brilliant movie. Thank you again, Nancy, so much. And uh, please go check out Diz Unplugged, the Disneyland edition. Yes. And we bump into Nancy quite a bit, and it's always so cool. Yeah. At uh, the park. Yeah. So that's it. And again, we mentioned our Facebook page. So if you have thoughts that you want to leave, you can <clears throat> go to that Facebook page. Please like it and leave your thoughts. And let's... Let's get everybody's thoughts there. It's always fun in a community aspect to read everyone's thoughts there. Exactly. All right. So that's it. That's it for the first edition. Yep. A little rough around the edges, but um, I think it was still pretty good. Yeah. yeah. Worked out real well. Um, two weeks, we're going to be recording again because we will have taken the time to watch <laughs> Beauty and the Beast. Yep. Beauty and the Beast. I'm very excited for this. I haven't seen this in a very long time. All right. So thank you so much for listening, however you found us, however you are listening now. And Beauty and the Beast in two weeks. And so I want to send big love out to everybody. And big love is love so big, you can't keep it all. So take what you need and pass it on. Mm -hmm. Okay. Take care, guys, and we will talk to you in two weeks. Sounds good. See you guys. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for joining us for Disney Once Again. Disney Once Again is a Rony Zone Media production and part of the Once Upon a Time Fan Podcast. If you're new to the Once Upon a Time Fan Podcast, you can go to onceuponatimepodcast.com slash iTunes and subscribe to the feed. That way you'll never miss another episode. We're building a community around this podcast on Facebook. You can get to it at facebook.com slash Disney once again. Thank you so much for joining us. Until next time, this is Jeff and Colleen saying talk to you soon. Yeah.